This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Phillies have done so much in recent days, weeks, to make this season better, uh, to stay competitive in the unbelievable juggernaut of the NL East. Well, on the other side of the, the country, in L.A., they're the defending World Series champs. San Diego, they're trying to go after them. Well, let's talk to the Los Angeles Dodgers. World Series champ broadcaster Joe Davis, right here at Pie Talk for Breakfast. In the air to left field, going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home. Ball there, coming, coming down. down. What up? And welcome to another episode of Pie Talk for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on twitter thanks for all your comments some of your comments some of your bad comments i don't care about but whatever that's how you get better as a human um look here here's the deal um the phillies have done what they've they've done we we talk plenty of baseball about the phillies we will continue to do that throughout this entire year uh spring training and everything but i thought it was something that i needed to do and that's go out west and the team with the Padres have assembled. Um, they've done a lot of great things. They're going after things, signing Fernando Tatis Jr. to a 14-year, $340 million deal is for one reason, to try to attain the greatness of the Dodgers. And I feel like we need to talk about the West. We need to talk about the Dodgers, Padres, and all that with the play-by-play guy. Joe Davis, he's special. Lucky enough for me, I get the opportunity to speak to Joe Davis of the Los Angeles Dodgers. But I, look, Joe, there's a there's a lot of personal feelings I have towards you because of uh, stepping into uh, the spotlight like you have as a broadcaster. Um, working your way up to get there, but also just shining and making your own lane. And so I appreciate you coming on Pine Tar for breakfast with me and uh, welcome. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate the kind words, man. It means a lot. Well, it's easy because look, uh, I I think in sport, we're always looking at the next great thing, the next, uh, you know, who's going to step into a situation uh, to fill the shoes of someone. You happen to fill the shoes, maybe the most gigantic shoes, uh, in, in the broadcasting world, um, Scott Fransky and Tom McCarthy had to do that after Harry Cowles, uh, you know, unfortunately passed away. Um, and you did it after the retirement of Vince Scully and, and you've done it just seamlessly. What, what's that been like for you? A lot of people going into it said, why would you want that job? Why would you want to be the guy that follows the legend? And I, I get that and respect that, but I think there were a couple things. First, I couldn't sit there 10 years from now, 50 years from now, and look back on my career and say, man, I could have had that job, but I didn't because I was scared that it wouldn't work. Like I couldn't, I couldn't live like that. Yeah. The other thing was 
once I got it through my head that nobody was replacing Vin, and that didn't take long to get through my head, but once I embraced that idea that I was just the guy following him and kind of trusted myself to be myself and not try to fill his shoes or try to be the one that replaced him, I think that it uh, it gave me a chance. And it's helped that the team's been so good. I'm delivering good news. <laughs> if they had lost 100 games yeah. a year in my time here, I might have been run out of town. You know how it yeah. is, right? Like it, Absolutely. People, people attach the outcomes of the games to the guys that are delivering the news of those. So uh, it's kind of been a perfect storm. I, I have the best partner, I think, out there in Orr Hershiser that has been a huge part of it, too. I, I mean, look, we're never going to talk about growth of a, a, a guy like Oral Hershiser, but uh, I think he's even come better because of you and, and just the way you present things. And you bring up that, you know, because of the Dodgers and how good they are, it's a little bit easier, you know, and folks, I, I'm getting the opposite side. You know, I'm not saying we're bad, but, you know, with the Phillies, it's tough. And you have to deliver that news and the heartbreaking yeah. losses that we had last year. So, What's it like, though, in communication with Vin? I know when you were hired, I think you, you got hired just basically to shadow him a little bit too, right? The the year in 16? Yeah. So it, And he's a it, gentleman, it, so he's going to be yeah. – he, 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 there's no ego with him, it feels like, ever. No, yeah, and I, I have not gotten to know him very well. 16 was – he was doing the home games, I was doing the road games, so there was really no crossover. Uh, but we've had a, a couple times where I've met him and spoken with him, and he's been just like everybody describes and like you hear. Uh, he's just as as humble and down-to-earth of a person as you could ever meet. He's obviously the greatest ever to do this job, so uh, he doesn't have to be that way. He could be you know, a monster jerk if he chose to, but he's <laughs> not. He's, he's in all my interactions. He's been just like you hear. It, I mean, look, you born and raised in Michigan to come into LA to experience that. Do you think that helps not being surrounded by Vince Scully your entire life, whether, whether or not you were in listening to yeah. games, but being surrounded as far as like diehard Dodger fan. Now I'm going to be, you know, right. I have to replace it. Do you think that helps? Maybe. And I'd never thought of that, but like ignorance is bliss a little bit. Yeah. I know that he's the greatest ever. And I know that it's, it's a huge responsibility, but uh, maybe that's part of why it wasn't overwhelming to me. I was a little bit ignorant about about it, perhaps, because I didn't grow up in it. That's, that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, one of the coolest things that I, I think, and I tweeted at you this year when it happened, like you got to replace in, in recent years Vince Scully. And I'm not going to say Joe Buck is Vince Scully, but he's on his way. He's he's unbelievable. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, yeah. a, in Knowing Joe, like I just think the world of him. Being able to call a Los Angeles Dodgers game this year in the postseason, a game seven of them all, not only I, – I just got to ask, how was it, but how did you keep it biased? Like the unbiased, <laughs> sorry, unbiased. Yeah, it was – first of all, it was a career highlight for me. You know, I grew up dreaming of you – know, some guys say they grew up dreaming, like you mentioned, if I grew up in L.A., dreaming of being the next Dodgers announcer or grow up wherever, dreaming of being the next – Phillies announcer. For me, I grew up dreaming of being the next Joe Buck, honestly, and being the guy that calls all the biggest games on the network. So a game seven like that, I mean, it was uh, it was pinch me stuff. And then to have just to get the opportunity and then to have the game go like that. And yeah. then the chair on top was that it was the Dodgers yeah. winning, coming from behind to win. It was just kind of the 
the perfect day and it, it was an emotional day for me to have that experience and as far as the playing it down the middle thing I think I've done enough Dodger games on Fox where it's uh it's it's I guess not as difficult as you might think there's some subtle tweaks to it but you know we're all we're all in this as as pros and um, you make those little changes those little tweaks to your tone and uh, it's I love baseball yeah. as much as I yeah. love being the Dodger guy, and I think that that's kind of the fuel to being unbiased in a situation like that. Yeah, so you go into it just hey, this is the game. I'm talking about the game exactly. that is going to be beautiful. This is the game I've always dreamt to do. Yeah. Who, who cares what teams they are? What for you when you? I mean, look because it's it's very rare, and, and obviously with John Smoltz, but like with John Smoltz, uh, and then you look at the other side with with your guy with Oral Hershiser. Yeah. What? Very similar, very different. What 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 is it like in teeing up both those guys? Yeah, different, similar in that I think they're as good as it gets, but <laughs> different. Yeah, and, and it's different too, just because I'm with Oral every single day, and you know, you know, when you're with the team, you kind of get the inside jokes with yeah. your partner, and and that the fan base is in on. When I say inside jokes, I don't mean just in the booth. I mean kind of everybody that's listening and. All Dodger fans know some of the stupid little yeah. things. From one game before. to the next, yeah. Yeah, right. Whereas these national games, Smoltz and I come in each Saturday and do them together, and there's, it's a different feel. It's a bigger feel where you don't have these you know, casual screw-around moments as much, for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, and, you know, it's, I hate it's screwing around, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right, right, right. It's, <laughs> it's different, but they are uh, they're both really well-prepared. They both – and Smoltz gets a bad rep on this, but they both love the game so much. Now, John's passion for the game comes off a little bit different than Oral's, I think. John's comes off with some incredible ideas for how to change the game. And, you know, when people say that he's like, get off my lawn, well, that comes from a place of he just loves this sport more than anything in the world, and he's got ideas for ways to make it better. Uh, whereas Oral, I, I think, does a great job of – just really embracing what the game is right now, and and even though it's totally different than when he played, um, he he outwardly loves it on the air. So different, but great, and uh, I'm really lucky to work with both of them. I grew up with like one year of actually liking Oral um, as a player, right. um, yeah, and it was in in '98. He he was a giant, uh, but growing up as a Dodger, I just I, it was uh, you, you couldn't know. love him. I get couldn't it. Love him. Couldn't love him. No. But, like that that's the beauty of it and then you meet him and you're like god I lo- you're really awesome <laughs> <laughs> i wish you were so nice gosh this sucks yeah. uh well it's like for for me and and look it sucks that we lost so many people this year in the game uh and one being a, a legend in itself in tommy lasorda um yeah. and i don't know your interactions with them but my uh really lone true interaction with him was 2005 futures game in, in detroit Mm-hmm. I'm taking BP, come off the field. I'm, you know, on a high. This is the greatest thing ever. We're at Comerica Park, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. I'm walking up the stairs, and Tommy's right next to me. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. I've hated this guy in a great way. Like, not hated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And I look to my left. I get I get a look over from him. He looks at my, my sleeve, and he goes and walks straight up the stairs. Because it <laughs> had the Giants. Yeah, logo. That's so on brand. And I was like, "Oh my god, he just did that to me." He kept walking up the stairs. <laughs> Next guy is, you know, maybe three, four stairs up above. And the guy turns to him. He's like, "Mr. Osorio, great to meet you." And he goes, "Hey, how are you, kid? Awesome." 
looks back at me, gives me a wink, and I just went. I just melted. I was like, this is the coolest thing on earth. I didn't th- I didn't even feel big leagued. I just felt like I was uh emblazoned in that in that giant Dodger rivalry right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That is so great. So I came to LA in 2016 and you know the, these last couple of years Tommy wasn't quite himself. Yeah. He still saw yeah. flashes of of the the guy that we all got to see or, or know and um but early on, I think especially when I got there, 2016, 17, some of the conversations I got to have with him just sitting around the food room at spring training or bumping into him at the ballpark, ones that I'll always cherish. And there, there's one moment that I, you know, Tommy's, Tommy's incredible in that he remembers your name. And he know, he, even though he, he meets a million people, he finds a way to make you feel special. Well, this is Tommy Lasorda, right? This is Mr. <laughs> Dodger here. And I think like the second or third year I was there, I knew him, right? And yeah. I knew he knew who I was. And he, uh, it always meant so much to me. He, anytime he would see me, he'd tell me that I was doing a great job. And, and that meant a ton, right? So, but, so I knew he knew who I was, but like I didn't know if it was just lip service or whatever. He has this huge birthday party uh, a few years ago. And I had a national game that weekend. So I was out of town and couldn't go to his birthday party. I didn't think it was a big deal. Like there are going to be a hundred people there. And Tommy, he, he's nice to me, but he didn't give, give a crap if I'm there. Well, I see him the next day and I said, Tommy, how was your birthday? And he looks at me and he puts a finger in my chest and he goes, where the hell were you? <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, but this is amazing. He cares. Oh my God. So, That's yeah. incredible. Right. That yeah. is incredible. Those are like the moments that you're always like, it's so funny. Cause I'm not saying they're negative, but like for us, we took them and we're like, that's the best, like a, a, yeah. a shot. And it's like, because yeah. that persona was real. Like it yeah. was real earn the trust and, and he'll show you it back. So, uh, yeah, Tommy, the sort of, um, one of a kind, and we're going to miss him. I know the, the Dodgers family is going to miss him, but they'll always remember with, uh, tributes I'm sure. And, and hopefully, uh, opening day we'll have fans and, and they'll be able to you know celebrate it i think that's yeah. more than anything yep no doubt um let's go a little bit towards this year uh dodgers win the world series so congrats world champion broadcaster for the los angeles dodgers now you have that on your resume which is fantastic uh when you look at the padres and what they've done to try to get to where the Dodgers are, what what do you see? Like, what do you do? You take that as a, the the most respected possible, uh, uh, or the fact that like maybe the Padres are doing it. They're trying. They're they're not scared, and this is wonderful. I love it. I think it's wonderful, and I mean, it, already last year those games were intense, and even the year <laughs> before, uh, which was Machado's first year, and Hosmer was there, and they. Uh, you know, Tatis made his debut. He's hurt much much of the year, but he was there. Those games were intense. That was when the Padres like started to have enough where they thought they could have some moxie. Yeah, and so it it made for some intense games. Last year, they totally deserved all the confidence and moxie and cockiness that they played with. Now, I mean, they're loaded, yeah. right? So just the as they've kind of made that progression, I don't think you can do anything but respect them and and how good they are and how much of a threat they are. Well, I mean, look, you add to that pitching staff. How are you going to beat the Dodgers? I feel like it, it, it's got to be pitching. 
you have to try to slow down the mm-hmm. offense because the pitching on the Dodgers side is so strong. And going into a year of the unknowns, um, when we talk about uh, innings limits or or what's going to happen for uh, multiple teams, one of the things I think is a positive is going so deep and obviously winning the World Series for the Dodger pitchers that they've accumulated more innings than anyone else. And yeah. does that help going forward? And, and and we see what happens when adding Trevor Bauer. Part of why I am just enthralled with what the Dodgers have done they didn't rest on, oh, we're good. We don't have to do anything because that that could be easy to do. Instead, yeah. they go out and get better. Yeah, and I think that um, symbolically, and, and you can obviously speak to this much better than I can having been in clubhouses, but I think symbolically it's probably an important move, yeah. right? When you, you're coming off a championship, you know you're going to have a target on your back, and the Padres are making move after move after move to say we're right here. Well, then your front office supports him, goes out and gets Trevor Bauer. And it almost feels like I would think from the player standpoint where it's like not so fast. You know, mm-hmm. to, to beat the champ, you're going to have to knock him out. You yeah. know? And they just got a lot better adding a guy like Trevor Bauer. So, uh, man, I, I'm Justin Turner said it the other day that he looks at these 19 games between the two teams as like 19 World Series games within the regular season just in terms of the intensity he expects in them. I'm glad you brought him up because I think that is as important of a move. Uh, actually, more for me, the personal opinion, more important for Justin Turner to be back uh, sure. than it is the Trevor Bauer signing because of the leadership that he has. Obviously, the skills, the skill set that he has at third base for you guys. But moving forward, there's a guy that isn't complacent. He's, he's that's just not in his DNA. And 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 moving forward, uh, how important was it for the re-signing of? of Justin Turner and having that attitude about the Padres in, in that discussion with you guys, uh, the media after re-signing. Yeah, it, uh, it was huge. And, uh, you know, you, you, the on-field production speaks for itself, but everything he does in the clubhouse and as a leader, it's just, it's huge. And I think that he's done it long enough where you know about that too. But I think, t- I think that probably the best way to truly appreciate it would be to live without him. And I know the Dodgers are glad they're not going to have to figure out what that world would look like, at least for another couple of years. No, and the one that I, I feel like it, it, I'm not asking you to make the decision, but the one question going forward for them is, is Seager or Bellinger? Because it's with, with all the money that's being spent, you know, up front with, with a couple guys, like understandably with Mookie, um, with Clayton, with Walker Bueller in the in the wings, and then you obviously yeah. add Bauer. Do you think that's going to become a d- difficult decision, or do you think you know they're just living day by day? Yeah, no, you're right. And you mentioned a couple of the other names. That was my first thought when you asked uh, Seager or Bellinger. Is okay, yeah, Seager, Bellinger, but or Bueller or Kershaw, who's up after this. Do you want me to so throw out another line. top 100 name? Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> but top 100 name, that is going to be at the end of their contract within the next few years. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, you think at some point there's a limit and they can't re-sign all those guys that you know, you're going to have to make some decisions at some point. The other way to look at it, though, is that if there is any team that is equipped to be able to make those decisions, both in terms of the support and the money they're going to get from the ownership and in the minds that they have in the front office to make it all work, it's this one. I mean, Andrew Friedman has proven. Andrew Friedman won in Tampa Bay with a budget that was a fraction of this. Um, so he, you know, he's going to have a huge budget. And even if 
They've devoted a lot of money to Mookie, a lot of money to Bauer, even though that's in the short term, remember. Yeah. That's a three-year deal with a couple of opt-outs, so it could wind up being even shorter. I think they're equipped to be able to sit as pretty as they can, having to make those decisions on these players who have expiring deals. What's great is the budgeting out, right? I mean, more than yeah. anything with the Mookie, with, with Trevor – you know, you could go many which ways, and you bring up the point with Andrew Friedman. Winning in Tampa, the winning now with a bigger checkbook, but he didn't spend stupid, right? He didn't He didn't go out uh, and just yeah. say, oh, we got this guy. Because everything, in, in watching the process for the Dodgers, what's it been like? Because the, from our perspective over here on the Phillies, it's like one thing after the next is the right decision. And if it's a wrong one, they get a new guy, right? And it's yeah. like the quality yeah. of depth that they've built throughout the system isn't like a, a placeholder coming in. It's a, this is a guy that's going to do damage no matter what, like offensively or, or pitching wise. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's incredible. And say what you will about them spending a bunch of money to win a championship. Mookie Betts was a lot of money, but I think the bigger deal is what you mentioned. It's the player development yeah. and it's bringing up these cost controllable players. Like it's a good problem to have that you got to decide between Seeger and Bellinger and Bueller coming up all around the same time, because those guys have come up through the system and you're going to get six, seven years of these guys before you have to pay the piper on it. And that's, it's, it speaks to the player development and that gets talked about. I think that the yeah. people inside the sport, Kevin know that the player development system is second to none. What doesn't get talked about enough is Andrew Friedman's restraint when it comes to making deals. Because there have been many, oh. many times where I'm sure there were people asking for Corey Seager, Julio Rios, Cody Bellinger, uh, more recently Dustin May, and he didn't pull the trigger on it. Actually, David Price has said that he knows that back when he was in Tampa Bay, Ned Coletti, when he was running the Dodgers, Friedman was still in Tampa Bay, Ned Coletti wanted David Price, and Andrew Friedman said, okay, you can have him for Julio Urias and Corey Seager. And Friedman said, uh, uh, no. So, you know, <laughs> Good choice. Like, yeah, or, or other way around. Coletti said, no, we're not, we're not trading those dudes away. And, so, and, and Andrew has picked up right where Ned left off and practicing restraint and keeping those prospects while still being able to pull off deals that help the team in the short term. Ned's uh, amazing. He was – he was assistant GM with the Giants when I got drafted. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. My, my brother got he passed away in uh, the end of end of '04 uh, season, and first thing I do when I get back after the draft, all the the instructs and everything, Ned Coletti just pulls me aside and he sits there for like an hour and just he talks to me and and he he and his wife sent a letter uh, to the family and and for me that's all that 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 just goes. I love that man. So anyway, me you bring too. up a name, I have to say it. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, he's one of those guys where you, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who doesn't like him. But when you, you look at Andrew Friedman, you look at like the, the Gratterall deal, right? And he's a part of going to the Red Sox um, in, in in the Mookie deal, and it goes through because of the shoulder. And he finds a way just to, oh, oh, oh we'll take him. You know, I, yeah. I don't know if anyone wants a guy throwing 101 bowling yeah. balls up there. Um, right. Th there's there's also that that aspect of understanding and, and keeping his eyes <laughs> open and saying, well, if they wanted him, we should get him. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, and Red Sox are like, we don't need pitching. Oh, right. it, it, it's 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 <laughs> unbelievable. It's uh, and, and look, I don't find it to be lucky. I just find it to be a, a, an organization uh, that continues to not be again 
complacent with themselves and where they mm-hmm. are. Uh, a perfect example, Corey Knebel, right? I mean, yeah. you, you talk about uh, what, two years away from being virtually unhittable. Now right. he's going to be healthy. And uh, Tommy Con- uh, Conley from uh, the Yankees, Obviously, mm-hmm. this year is a lost year, but next year, just the deal that was signed, you're going, oh, my God, they just keep on replenishing. What is yeah. going on? Well, you know what I think is, is from a Dodger perspective, I'm very happy for. Uh, I think you can now better appreciate the sustained excellence mm-hmm. that in a lot of ways Andrew Friedman and Stan Kasten and the front office deserve credit for now that they've won one. Because before it was like, yeah, eight division championships in a row. Who cares? Go win a World Series. Yeah. Well, they did. And so I think that it's easier to step back and appreciate the sustained excellence. Well, one of the things that we're going to be talking about so much is the pitching depth. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's ever going to transpire for this season, but Mitch White, another Bellarmine kid, one that I was telling I- you about with uh, JB Long, my, myself, Pat Burrell, Mark Hanna. What do you say to, like, what do you think that the organization say to those kids? Right to the kids that that are right on the cusp, and he's not even a kid; he's twenty six now, I think. Yeah. Um, but how how do you think they're they're being able to communicate with these guys to stay hungry, to understand that their chance will come if it doesn't? It's going to be somewhere else. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I put myself in their shoes sometimes, and actually, I thought of guys like White and Josiah Gray, who's another one of the top oh. pitching prospects when. When they made the deal for Bauer, it's like, oh, sorry, guys. Like, and <laughs> I, I would think you're, I would think you're sitting there if you're those guys saying, well, why can't I just be in another organization? Why couldn't I be, you know, in a, a rebuilding team to give me a chance? Um, I think another one of the strengths of Andrew Friedman and Dave Roberts and the people who uh, are making these decisions is that they are very honest and open communicators. So. If there's any glass half full of way to look at it for somebody like Mitch White is I think that he probably always knows where he stands. I don't think that there's probably much that catches guys like that off guard because of the way they do communicate. For for you dealing with a guy like Dave Roberts, you know, pretty much every day, uh, former teammate of mine, one I look up to, or actually down at, I'm a little taller than him. So uh, <laughs> what, I don't want to say he needed to be vindicated anyway because he's, he's led a, unbelievable franchise for so long what what was that world championship from your perspective for him you know i i think it's the same thing i kind of just mentioned with the organization and the view of the organization what they've done winning eight division titles in a row is insanely impressive but wasn't appreciated enough because there was always that thing hanging over them that they hadn't won one i think you can say the same thing about dave roberts He's won as many games anybody's ever won over the first five years of a managerial tenure, but he didn't have the World Series. And so you would be amazed at how many Dodger fans there are that, at least prior to them winning the World Series, didn't like him. Yeah. And, you know, I, I so I, I think using the word vindicated, that's perfectly fine in this situation. He wouldn't say it, but I think we can say it for him. And, yep. and thank goodness that he was because he deserves better, I think, than the reputation he had gotten with some fans. No doubt. And when you look around the, just the league, I, I, I get, we, we talk so much about Dodgers Padres. Um, you could talk about, you know, the, the teams lurking out there with the giants They're I, I don't know. Um, I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, the NL East, does that, does it perk you up a little bit when you think about, you know, others 
at, not in the West, but out, you know, East, Central, whatever? Is it the NL East that, that intrigues you more than anything? For sure. I, I think the, you know, the Central is not in, in its uh, finest hour right no, now. No, no, no. But they, yeah, they'll, the, they'll find a way to get two teams in there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, the East is exciting, man. The West being exciting because of the two teams at the top. Yeah. The East being exciting because of the depth. Like who, who's bad? You know, I. I it, yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a rock fight between every team in that division. Yeah, I just I, I'm excited from a personal standpoint because of the amount of insane talent that this yeah. division has, and whether it's young or old doesn't matter. It's like it, it's all five teams right now. Right. Right. Who is the worst team? Uh, I honestly, I, I, I could sit there and say the Marlins and then I'm like, well, they made the playoffs last year exactly. and, uh, I, I can't see them being the worst. I want to say there's a tie for the worst. It, it's like the Braves and then the Mets. And then I think all three teams are tied for the third. So that's all yeah. tied for last as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, that's my point. You really can't eliminate a team yeah. right now. You wouldn't be shocked to have any single one of those teams win the division. How how uh, excited are you that, you know, maybe not from a broadcast, maybe I should f- rephrase it, but not being able to see Nolan Arenado 19 times during the season. <laughs> well, uh, seeing him 19 times a year now for five years I've been doing this, kind of running out of stuff to talk about with him, even though he's amazing. I've told all his stories several times, so it's okay to cycle somebody right? else through there. Uh, but he, man, he's one of those guys that – it's just so much fun to watch play baseball. So um, I can live with the fact that I'd run out of stories to if it meant getting to watch him 19 times a year because as a baseball lover, it's a joy to watch that guy. Yeah, and now you just got to deal with 14 years of Fernando Tatis Jr. So it's Ooh, all babe. good. I mean, isn't yeah. he – I mean, the special one we know is Mookie, you know, when it comes to everything. I mean, just everything. But then you yeah. look down south, even further from you in San Diego, and that kid, oof. My goodness. Love him. Love him. Where does he rank for you right now in best players in baseball? Uh, he's a top four, three. Five. I mean, because I got I got Trout. Uh, I'm a yeah. Trout Mookie guy. One, two. Yep. Um, and then it's hard. I never like putting pitchers there, but it's hard to go against DeGrom. Just saying. But mm-hmm. I, I I just I struggle with it because he's he's like number three or four. I mean, when it comes to everything, um, what yeah. he brings and what he can bring, right? I mean, there was still a lot of unknown with the young player. Um, but what I just love is there's a passion and there's a talk always about the person before it is yeah. the player. And the yeah. player stands out a lot, but the person stands out even more. I love it. I love it. Even as, you know, with him being on a team that's kind of turned into a rival of the team I cover, I am an unabashed fan of him and what he does. It, you love it when, it when people enjoy what they do. He does. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that one to me is, is special. And speaking of special, it's been awesome having you on Pine Tar for breakfast and talking about the Dodgers, talking about the West, talking and what you think from afar about the East. But uh, Joe Davis, you're the man. I appreciate you. And uh, thanks for coming on. It was fun, Kevin. Good to talk to you, man. Wow. An awesome broadcaster, one that uh, younger than me, but just destroys everything I've done in my career already. Joe Davis, one of the special ones and one that we're going to be hearing for a long time. Uh, thanks for listening. Fine Tower for breakfast. We are going to be talking more about the Phillies because the next day or two, Dave Dombrowski is going to be right here. Pine Tower for breakfast. Stay tuned. Coming up tomorrow or Friday, one of those days.
Peace. Kevin Fritz is out of here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.